everybody. Welcome to another episode of Point Counterpoint. I'm your host, Chris Wright, and I'm coming to you live from the University of St. Thomas Campus Radio. I got a fun show for you, ladies and gentlemen. But first, lean in, give me, give me a little kiss. There we go. I wanna, I wanna show my my listeners some loving. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing like uh, the the new name of the podcast is my uh, intimate time with Chris Wright. Right. That's right. Oh God. I'm <laughs> okay, I'm done with that. <laughs> I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> mm, okay. So I got some stuff to talk about today. Um pretty good. It's pretty fun. Uh first of all, sorry I uh I couldn't uh, do an, uh, an episode last week because uh there's some technical difficulties, so one of the things I was going to do last week, I'm now moving to this week, and it's talking about a new story that came out um, called uh, it's a, a deep fake porn bot is being used to abuse thousands of women. Uh, an AI tool that removes items of clothing from photos has targeted more than 100,000 women some of whom appear to be under the age of 18. Okay, so that's getting pretty bad. Okay, that's an understatement. It's getting batshit crazy out there, okay? This is why we gotta regulate this shit, okay? <laughs> we, can't ha- we can't have this, okay? We can't have deepfakes and artificial intelligence stuff. And, you know, you've seen... I'm, a, I'm assuming you've seen my... Uh, there's a couple episodes back, yeah, three or four episodes, I believe, something like that, um, where it's an AI rendering of my voice that I did. The complete episode was AI-generated. Um, I put it together, but you see what it was. So, you know, I had it. I told it what to say, and it used my voice to form a certain some words. And the music was also generated. That's my general theme song. My two theme songs. Um, but yeah, it's getting amazing. It's <laughs> it's it's pretty amazing. So I'll I'll read you what I'll read you what it says here. So pornographic deepfakes are being weaponized at an alarming scale, with at least 104,000. Women targeted by a bot operating on the messaging app Telegram since ju- since July. The bot is used by thousands of people every month who use it to create nude images of friends and family members, some of whom appear to be under the age of 18. Which is obviously illegal and just a terrible thing to do. Okay, don't need to describe, get into the details of that. The still images of nude women are generated by an AI that removes items of clothing from a non-nude photo. Every day, the bot sends out a gallery of new images to an associated Telegram channel, which has almost 25,000 subscribers. The sets of images are frequently viewed more than 3,000 times. A separate Telegram channel that, promote, that promotes the bot has more than 50,000 subscribers. 
Some of the images produced by the bot are glitchy, but many could pass for genuine. It is maybe the first time that we are seeing these at a massive scale, says Giorgio Petrini, CEO and chief scientist at deepfake detection company Sensity, which conducted the research. The company is publicizing its findings in a bid to pressure services hosting the content to remove it, but it is not publicly naming the Telegram channels involved. The actual woman of number of women targeted by the deepfake bot is likely much higher than 140,000. 104,000. Sensity was only able to count images shared publicly, and the bot gives the option to generate the photos privately. Most of the interest for the attacks for the attack is on private individuals. Petrini says the very large majority of those are for people that we cannot even recognize. As a result, it is likely very few of the women who have been targeted know that the images exist. The bot and a number of Telegram channels linked to it are primarily Russian language, but also offer English language translations. In a number of cases, the images create, created appear to contain control under the age of 18, sensitivity adds, saying it has no way to verify this, but has informed law enforcement of their existence. Unlike other non-consensual explicit deepfake videos, which have racked up millions of, of views on porn websites, these images require no technical knowledge to create. The process is automated and can be used by anyone. That shit's scary. <laughs> it's as ama amazing as uploading an image, image to any messaging service. It's as simple as uploading. Uh, the images are automatically created once people upload a closed image of the victim to the Telegram bot from their phone or desktop. Sensity an analysis says the technology only works on images of women. Okay. <laughs> because, you <laughs> because you know that it's only men that are doing this. You, you know it is. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, uh, where was I? The bot is free to use, although it's limited it's, it limits people to 10 images per day and payments have to be made to remove watermarks from the images. A premium version costs around $8 for 112 images, since he says. It's a depressing validation of all the fears that those of us had heard about this technology brought up at the beginning, says Mary Ann Franks, a professor of law at the University of Miami. Franks provides some feedback on the sensitivity research before it was published, but it was not involved in the report's final findings. Now you've got even more terrifying reality that it doesn't matter if you've never post, never posted for a post for a photo naked or never shared any kind of intimate data with someone. All they need is a picture of your face. It is believed the Telegram bot is powered by a version of Deep Nude software. Vice first reported on Deep Nude in <laughs> June 2019. This is what people did with the internet. Okay, we don't deserve the internet. <laughs> We don't deserve it. I don't care what you say. <laughs> no, it's great for us. Like it helps us so much in so many ways. Helps us connect with people around the world, and we've done so many great things with it. Like countless great things, but we don't deserve it. <laughs> we're still just we're just we're still the monkeys living in the living in the trees. You know, <laughs> like that's still us. We're not that much different from our ancestors thousands and thousands of years ago. Like, take take one of those take one of those more more advanced apes, 
look for our ancestors, plop a computer in front of them, give them an Instagram account, and that's that's us. <laughs> this world is just fun. <laughs> um, the original creator killed the the app, citing fears about how it could be used but not before it reached 95,000 downloads in just a few days. That makes sense. Um, the code was quickly backed up and copied. The Deep Nude software uses deep learning and generative adversarial networks to generate what it thinks victims' bodies. Actually, I want to go back a little bit. <laughs> the creator of Deep Nude uh, killed it after he was worried about fears of how it could be used. Well, how did you think it was going to be used? You created something called Deep Nude, and then you're like, oh, it might be used for bad ways. What's a good way you could use that for? Just tell me. Just what's a good what is a good use of that? There is none. <laughs> oh, you know, I created it to help the world, and now I, I wanted people to have a, to have a bot that to use to, uh, to see people naked without actually having them undress themselves, you know, and, uh, what, oh, but I'm going to delete it because I'm afraid that people are going to use it wrong. The <laughs> <laughs> people are, people are hilarious. <laughs> Honestly, just... <laughs> You should just take humanity as just an example. It's just a way to enjoy yourself. Like uh, George Carlin did a great bit, if I can find it. Uh, um, what am I doing? Is this it? I think this is the one. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm a modern man, a man for the millennium, digital and smoke-free, a diversified multicultural postmodern deconstruction is politically, anatomically, and ecologically incorrect. I've been uplinked and downloaded, I've been inputted and outsourced, I know the upside of downsizing, I know the downside of upgrading. I'm a high-tech lowlife, a cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, bi-coastal multitasker, and I can give you a gigabyte in a nanosecond. I'm new wave, but I'm old school, and my inner child is outward bound. I'm a hot-wired, heat-seeking, warm-hearted, cool customer, voice-activated and biodegradable. I interface from a database, and databases in cyberspace, so I'm interactive, I'm hyperactive, and from time to time, I'm radioactive. <laughs> Behind the eight ball, ahead of the curve, riding the wave, dodging the bullet, pushing the envelope. I'm on point, on task, on message, and off drug. I got no need for coke and speed. I got no urge to binge and purge. This I'm is the not the one I was on thinking of. Over the top, but under the rib. It's not the one I was thinking of, but I could watch a little bit of it. A high concept, low profile, medium range ballistic missionary. A streetwise smart bomb. A top gun bottom feeder. I wear power ties. I tell power lies. I take power naps. I run victory laps. Life is worth losing by George Carlin. Uh, that's not the one I was looking for. Let me see. And I'm, I'm rooting for that big one to come right through that hole in the ozone layer because I want to see it on CNN. See, I'm here for the entertainment part. <laughs> I am. People, the philosophers say, why are you here? I know why I'm here. So that I have a show. 
bring it on. I want to see these records. So, so how does this affect your performance and what you bring to well, stand-up? Well, I've seen a lot of comedians. We've all seen a lot of comedians who seem to have a political bent in their work. And always implicit in the work is, is some positive outcome. Like, this is all going to work. If only we do this. If only we pass that bill. If only we elect him. If only we do that. And I can't. It's, it's searching drain tanks for comedians. I believe this. I honestly believe this. Not just as a comedian who thinks that. Who likes to say that. I believe it. And when you say to yourself, I don't care what happens, it just gives you a broader perspective for the art, for the words, to, to emerge, to not care. That's what happened in that 92 show. That's why I could say the planet is fine, the people are... Because the planet will outlast us. It will be here and it will be... It wasn't the exact clip I was looking for, but that's basically what he was saying before. I'm here for the show. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, the AI is trained on a set of images of clothed and naked woman and is able to synthesize body parts in final images. This is now something that a community has embedded into a messaging platform app and therefore they have pushed forward in, us in the usability and the ease to access this type of technology. Petrini says the Telegram bot is powered by external server sensitivity says meaning it's lower it lowers the barrier of entry in a way it is literally deep fakes as a service. Uh, Telegram did not answer questions about the bot and the abuse of images it produces since they report also says the company did not respond when it reports did the bot and the channel several months ago this company had a limited set of terms of service one of three bullet points says that the people should not post illegal pornographic content or publicly viewable telegram channels dot btc in an expanded set of frequently asked questions telegram says it does not process requests to take down illegal public content it adds that public te telegram chats and group chats are private and the company doesn't process requests related to them However, channels and bots are publicly available. A section on takedown says we can take down porn bots. Before the publication of this article, the Telegram channel that pushed out daily galleries of bot-generated deepfake images saw all the messages within it removed. It is not clear who these were removed by. For this sort of activity, there is usually not some data or who has used the bot and their intention. Within the Telegram channels links to the bot, there is a detailed privacy policy and people using the service have answered self-selecting surveys about their behavior. An anonymous poll posted to the Telegram channel in J July 2019 was answered by more than 7,200 people of this, of which 70% said they were from Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, Kazakhstan, and the entire former USSR. All regions of the world had less than 6% of the poll share each. People using the bot also self-reported finding it from a Russian social media network, VK. Sensity report says that it has found a large amount of deep fake content on the social network and the bot also has a dedicated page on the site a spokesperson for vk says it doesn't tolerate such behavior on the platform and has permanently blocked this community a separate Ju july 2019 poll answered by 3300 people revealed people's motivations for using the bot it asked who are you interested to address in the first place the overwhelming mature majority respondents 63 percent selected the option familiar girls whom I know in real life. Celebrities and stars was the second most selected category, 16%. Models and beauties from Instagram was the third most selected option with 8%. I think it's almost over. Uh, experts fear that these types of images will be used to humiliate and blackmail women. 
but as deepfake technology has been rapidly scaled, the law has failed to keep up and has mostly focused on the future political impact of the technology. Okay, um, yeah, our government has failed to keep up with some of these changes in technology. Like uh, when during like those Facebook hearings, um, and you'll hear some senators talking to like Mark Zuckerberg, and like they clearly don't understand how like the ad model works. People, people pay to use your service. No, uh, we, 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 people don't pay to use our service. Well, how do you make money? <laughs> I, I don't remember what the exact words were, but obviously, <laughs> we live in a technical, technological age. I feel like our legislators should be people that understand that. <laughs> and this is something Andrew Yang has been talking about. Um, like we need people that understand these some of these technological problems. Not people that are asking how Facebook makes money. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm not going to read this whole Wired article. That's from Wired. A deep fake porn bot is being used to abuse thousands of women. If you want to read it yourself, go ahead. Okay. All right, next. That's a little poetry. Um, I actually have two poems. One of them is in Spanish, and one is it, and I'll explain that a little. And the other one is uh, it's really the same story, but in English, same general story. It's obviously th there's several differences in it, but they kind of deal with the same themes. Um, I'll read the I'll read the Spanish one first. El enamorado y la muerte. Un sueño soñaba anoche, sonito del alma mía. Soñaba con mis amores que en mis brazos los tenía. Vi entrar señora tan blanca, muy más que la nieve fría. ¿Por dónde has entrado, amor? ¿Cómo has entrado mi vida? Las puertas están cerradas, ventanas y seriosías. No soy el amor, amante, la muerte que Dios te envía. ¡Ay, muerte tan rigurosa! ¡Déjame vivir un día! ¡Un día no puede ser! ¡Un hora, hora tiene esta vida! Muy de prisa se calzaba, más de prisa se vestía. Ya se va para la calle. ¿En dónde su, su amor vivía? ¡Ábreme la puerta blanca! ¡Ábreme la puerta niña! ¿Cómo te podré yo abrir si la cosa, ocasión no, se, no es venida? Mi padre no fue, fue al palacio, mi madre no está dormida. Si no me abres esta noche, ya ne, no me abrirías, querida. La muerte me está buscando, junto a ti vida sería. Vete bajo la ventana donde labraba y cosía. Te echaré cordón de seda para que subas arriba y si el cordón no alcanzara eh, mis trenzas añadiría la fina seda de rompe la muerte que allí venía vamos el enamorado que la hora ya está cumplida so that's a that's a 15th century poem 1400s uh, the El enamorado y la muerte the, the 
basically the loved one that's fallen in love uh, and that and death and of course death it death visits this man I'm not gonna talk about every detail in it okay I'm the important part is the meeting and um, you know death tells him he has an hour to live and he goes to his lover's house who is saying her parents are home he can't come in um, he tries to she lowers down a rope for him to climb up to the window but it breaks and he dies death has come to him it's really an example of our constant struggle to escape death um, and hold on Now this was not the the time of the major black death, but it was certainly it certainly was around at that time. Here. Let's see. Um Slightly after the some of the worst parts of it, but I would argue that this has a connection to the Black Death, you know, with people constantly just trying to bargain for a little bit more time. Um, and so it's similar to a similar poem, similar to a similar poem. <laughs> that was a little redundant, but it's called "Death and the Lady." Uh, and it's one of it's actually normally sung in a song, but uh, I'm, if if I do it in a song, after maybe I could. Okay, never mind. As I walked out one day, one day, I met an aged man along the way. His head was bald, his beard was gray, his clothing made from cold earthen clay. His, clo his clothing made from cold earthen clay. I said, old man, what man are you? What country did you belong to? 
My name is has heard of me. All kings and princes bow down to me. And you, fair maid, must come along with me. I'll give you gold, I'll give you pearls. I'll give you fine, rich clothes to wear. I'll give you costly, rich robes to wear. If you will grant me a little while and give me time my life to amend, and give me time my life to amend, I, I want no gold, I want no pearls. I want no costly, rich robes to wear. I cannot grant you a little while, nor give you time your life to amend. Nor give you time your life to amend. In six months' time, this young girl died. Let this be on my tombstone, she cried. Here lies a poor, distracted maid who in her youth was snatched away, her clothing made of cold earthen clay. It's a very similar story, methinks. I felt like it was a strange line. So, in my opinion, it's a very similar story. Uh, that song certainly came from the Black Death, where people were would do anything to try to survive. I'll give you gold. I'll give you pearls. I'll give you costly ripped robes to wear. If you'll just give me a little while to amend all the things which I which I have failed in in my life, and of course, death is not interested in, in any of these things. It does not want gold. It does not want pearls. It does not want costly, rich robes to wear and it since it does not care for you at all it doesn't hate you it doesn't love you it just does not care it it will take you where it takes you it will not grant you a little while simply because you desire it and so the girl died whether she wanted to or not in a in a mere six months, obviously was struck away by the plague. It doesn't say that in the song. You know, it's an interesting tune as well. If I were to have sung it, as I walked out one day, one day. I met an aged man on the way. His head was bald, his beard was gray. His clothing made of cold earthen clay. His clothing made of cold earthen clay. 
said, old man, what man are you? What country did you belong to? My name is Death, has heard of me. All kings and princes bow down to me. And you, fair maid, must come along with me. They didn't ask if the if he wanted to come along with them or if she wanted to come along with them. He simply said, you must come with me. No choice. Death will take you. Whether, whether you want to or not. And so you must accept. I'm sorry for making this podcast episode very, very morbid. Which is why. Alright, sorry to do something a little more fun. A dark night in a city that knows how to keep its secrets. But one man is still trying to find the answers to life's persistent questions. Guy Noir, Private Eye. It was the 4th of July weekend and I was working security at Tanglewood, the summer home of the Boston Symphony or Orchestra, which has been under siege by a disgruntled bagpiper named Harry McCary known as Van Gogh of the bagpipe, because he had no ear. He liked to come around during quiet passages and concerts. He was out in the woods, and they chased him. <coughs> Bring in a helicopter. But he always got away, so they brought me in. I'm Felix Fuxner, Mr. Noir. I'm the head of security here. Are you all right, Mr. Fuxner? Your head is tilted to the left. I was the flutist at one time, sir. I overpracticed and my head became permanently tilted. From the flute? Yes. And I have this permanent lip pucker. I noticed that. It's what happens when you blow on a flute 16 hours a day for weeks at, at a time. You become crippled. How ironic. Yes. That's in the quest for supremacy and for perfection, one can become crippled. It happens all the time in the orchestra world. Oh? Violinists with shoulder problems, trumpet players who blow their brains out, pianists who suffer from hard stools, and wind, wind players who go deaf because they sit right in front of the timpani. You went deaf? Pardon me? What? You sat in front of the timpani. Yes, I was in a symphony. I get your drift. What can I do for you? Catch this Harry McHarry. So I searched the woods for a man in a skirt. 
There was a little practice studio all through the woods for for students who come in summer program in for the summer program at Tanglewood. They train musicians to be well-rounded individuals and to pursue a serious musical career, but also be prepared to work in cocktail lounge, in a cocktail lounge, or do birthday parties and bar mitzvahs, and work at a ballpark. And still keep your classical chops. It's also market diversification, and I came to a simple hut, hut where someone was playing violin. <coughs> Hello? Who is it? My name's Noir. Security. You a jazz player? No. You're wearing dark glasses. And I see you're a jazz guy. No, I'm visually impaired. Okay. S see the white cane? See the dog? <laughs> you blind or something? Sorry, didn't notice. Use your eyes for crying out loud. Jeez, I'm a violin student. 48 years I've been studying every... every ever hear of the Bach violin partitas? Yes. They're driving me crazy. I just can't get it. It's so simple, I can't get it. You know what? One re one reason you may be having a hard time with the Bach violin partita. Yes? I'm, I'm looking at the music on the music stand. Yes? It's not a violin partita. It's a viola partita. What? Oh, no! <laughs> I walked in the woods looking for a man in a kilt. The dreaded Harry McCary. The night before, he had interrupted a James Taylor concert at Tanglewood. You just call on my name, and you know wherever I am, I'll come running to see you again. Winter, spring, summer, or fall, all you gotta do is call. And I walked through a grove of trees, and I stepped over a branch. And oh, 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 boy! An abandoned mine shaft. What a cliche! Walking into the woods and falling into an abandoned mine shaft. Oh boy! What is this? Oh, saxophone. Lots of saxophones. Hello? Is someone there? Yes, I'm down here. Down at the bottom of this mine shaft. Could you call for help? I suppose so. But I'm, I'm on my way to a vocal lesson. You're a singer? I'm a contralto. A low contralto. Deep sea diver. Please call for help. I'll try to. Please. Years of being a private eye, and this is the first abandoned mine shaft. Maybe I ought to retire. Next thing, I'll I'm, I'll be falling into open manholes. I'll be a cartoon, slipping on bananas. Somebody, I'll drop an anvil on me. Somebody down there? Yes, I'm down in this abandoned mine shaft. You're sure? I can't see you. That's because it's radio. Oh right. How can I help? Just go for help, would you? I just want to see. 
Oh, you're right. It's an abandoned mine shaft. Right. What's all this junk? Oh, it's a saxophone. Lucky it isn't a piano. How so? You drop a piano down a mine shaft and you get an A flat minor. Hey, you're a trombonist. How'd you know? Your hat. It says Domino's Pizza. Yeah, well, I used to be a trombonist. Then I switched to chainsaw. Why? More vibrato. <coughs> Hello? Anybody down in this unmarked abandoned mine shaft? Yes, down here. What are you doing down there? I'm wishing I weren't. Anybody down there with you? Yes, a former trombonist. Around here, we don't call it a trombone. We call it a wind-driven, manually-operated pitch approximator. And there's a pair of old saxophone, pile of old saxophones. A pile of saxophones at the bottom of a mine shaft. And that's what I call a good start. We need someone to throw, do a, uh, throw down a rope or something. Got, got a rope and a winch right, uh, right here. Just don't drop anything on us, would you? Speaking of which, what do a guillotine and a saxophone have in common? They're always sharp. <laughs> My dog loves saxophone jokes. How's the winch coming? I'm attaching it to a tree right now. How do you know a sax player is at your door? They don't know what key to use or where to come off. Come in. <laughs> Good one, huh, Rex? Would you mind getting us out of here? I don't know. Maybe I should leave you there. I mean, deep down, you're a really nice guy. Oh, okay. I got, I got the winch. Hey, what's the difference between a saxophone solo and being hanged on the gallows? Huh? What's the difference? I don't, um, I don't know, and I don't care. The difference between a sax solo and being hanged is that, in a little while, the hanging will stop. <laughs> hey, hey, be careful up there. Oh boy, he was he was supposed to rescue us and instead he fell on, fell on us. Ugh. What do we do now? Hope that Contralto remembers. We could be in here for weeks. We hear me bro breaking in a bowl of outer me kuthi peeps at me mickle max a muckle. I say my lad is, they are a bowl Mickle Muckle, a gang of bra in Moonlick Nick Wahi. Hey, say, is anybody meet a body gang doing the bro brick abandoned mine shaft for that day and that in Mickle and Muckle? No, I can't understand a single word you're saying. Ah, I got you, no. No, no, not the bagpipes.
A dark night in a city that keeps its secrets. Where one guy is still trying to find the answers to life's persistent questions. Guy Noir. That was kind of fun. <laughs> that was fun. Always fun to do that. Here's a here's a fun video. The world's fastest talking man. It's it's always fun to look at this one. You know, here in the streets of Boston, I've had people come up to me left and right since I've been here. Uh, usually they do something like, <laughs> or you know, aren't you that guy? And so you know, everyone thinks they're being very clever, but they all do one of three things. You know. John Mashita's claim to fame is that the Guinness Book lists him as the world's fastest talking man, more than 500 words per minute. But his most memorable moments have been on television, an ad for Federal Express, and lately, Minute Rice. Slice the green peppers, use them with your Minute Rice from a bear, pie, or a pila. Chop a chicken for cacciatore. Slice the steak for stroganoff. Plain, I personally prefer playing with the pat. Side dishes, Minute Rice. Well, at what point did you realize you had this gift? Well, when I was 12 years old, growing up on Long Island, there was a cerebral palsy pair a few blocks away from my house, and they announced that they would donate $2,000 to cerebral palsy for anyone that broke a Guinness record. So at first, I wanted to ride the roller coaster with Coney Island. So I called Coney Island, and they said, hey, kid, take a hike at 12 years old. We're not going to let you strap yourself into the cyclone for two weeks straight. So I went home, and I started flipping through the book and decided I wasn't going to eat a car, swallow lead pipes. So the next best thing was to lock myself in a room and teach myself how to do the fast talking. I also grew up in a family with five sisters, so to get a word in edgewise, it was self-defense. Mashita is currently on tour in professorial attire, promoting this spoof of academia. Four years of learning condensed into ten minutes of listening. But it's a neat little thing. It comes with fold-out, a curriculum, a little pocket-sized diploma. Once you graduate, you get to keep that. And it's orientation, biology, psychology, philosophy, political science, Roman studies, physics, visual arts, comparative literature, economics, and football. Look what I whipped up with Minute Rice. Minute Rice Garden, Medley, Chinese Chicken, and Seafood Cacciatore. Maybe we'll move on to Mexican Beef and Minute Rice, Minute Rice and Chicken, I'm a demon. Do you ever, like, trip over a word or something there? I mean, uh, do you... Generally what, generally what will happen, especially if I'm doing an industrial film or something, and you're trying to get six pages of dialogue out, and I'm sitting there, and I never memorize the things because they change them at every last minute. So I'm looking right into the camera, and there's a prompter there and I'm reading it and I'll mispronounce a word that nobody will catch. I mean it won't be a bad mispronunciation but it'll it'll be wrong uh -huh. and my brain will hear it but I'll keep going because nobody stopped me and about six words later the brain goes whoa you can't get away with that and all of a sudden it's like what just stopped it was great it was great I said no I mispronounced that word four paragraphs back. Lung trouble can come from the air you breathe at work but thanks to the American Lung Association you can breathe a little easier. They're working to fight all these lung disease your lungs are a miracle take care of your lungs they're only human and if my lungs weren't in great shape I couldn't have said all this. The, uh, the reason you were put into the uh, Guinness book by the way was because you sang the song uh you, gotta, you, got, you trouble, got trouble, right, okay. from the music man. Um, can you give us a little bit of that? I'll give it a shot. I haven't done it in a while here, so let's see. Freddie, the question is, your situation, you do not wish to challenge you, and I don't the calibers, just to indicate about the presence of the pool table in your community, you wake up from our friends right here, say to our right here, representing your restaurant, place, or the mighty first name, or the mighty first name, because the RSS, no, the crew, my hand, gold, and the person, said, Kool-Aid, and Kenai. So it's a little fast to understand, but when they slow it down... Wait a minute, you expect me to buy that? I'll tell you what, If you put this on a lexicon time compressor and you slow it down, you will in fact hear each and every word. That's how they have to verify it to be a record. Here's a new contemporary challenge. This is from Michael Jackson's new album, his first cut there, Bad. If you could just sort of give us your rendition of it. Like you hear that? I'll give it up to the, the first chorus there, okay. Your butt is mine, gonna tell you right. You show, show your face in the broad daylight. I'm telling you how I feel, gonna hurt your mind. Don't, don't shoot to kill, come on, come on, lay it on me, all right. I'm giving you one on account of three to show you stuff or let it be. I'm telling you, just watch your mouth. I know you game. What about you? Well, I say the sky's a limit, and to me, that's really true. But my friend, you see nothing, just wait till I get through because I'm bad, bad. Come on, come on. Bad, bad, really, really bad. You know I'm bad, I'm bad, you know, you know, bad, bad, really, really bad. You know I'm bad, I'm bad. Come on, come on, you know, bad, bad, really, really bad. And the whole world does the answer just right. Just tell, just tell you once again who's bad. 
close, very sloppy, but close. Oh, not, that wasn't bad, actually. That wasn't bad, bad. Who's bad? I'm not bad, am I bad? For the record, if you're curious, it was Jackson in a minute eight, Mashita in just 20 seconds. For the 10 o'clock news, I'm Marcus Jones. One fast one, New York State. Yes, Chef. Yes, madam. Totally flat, no flavor. Second time I've had Okay, thank you. Hey, get the veal on, please, yeah? Let's go. Chef. Right. Don't whistle at me. I'm not your dog, yeah? You look more like a dog than I do. <laughs> off with you. Fresh beef, you fat chef. Take the best of me, Paul. something when I was yeah that was alright never mind whatever um oh yeah so I recently uh, came upon a is a, a Mozart song. Uh, it's a, it's actually a, supposed to be quite vulgar, but it's in German, so it's okay. Um, translates to uh, lick, lick me in the arse. Uh, it's a you know, 1700 song that was quite vulgar. Interesting. People have always been this way. Just like how uh, there was once a some Pompeii graffiti, where uh, some famous doctor wrote, uh, I defecate well here. So people have always been like this, you know. Thank you. 
102 year old dancer sees herself on film for the first time. <laughs> Chorus dancer in the Harlem Renaissance in the 1930s. Traditionally celebrate her 102nd birthday in 2015. There's this guy named Mark who collects all these old soundies, and he said you were listed in in the documents as Miss Baker. Was that did that happen commonly, or? Oh, she's pretty frail. They leave out the middle. They misspelled her name. They left out the middle R. Sepia Steppers. I'll read what she's saying. 1943. And that's you, right? Wow. So were these were these shot in a real club or was it like a clip of her dancing in the thirties? Someone said they thought your nickname was Chicken Little. <laughs> was that your choice or that just landed on you? <laughs> I thought it was just because you were skinny or something. Yeah. <laughs> sent me this picture. I think that's you. Yeah. Would you like to see it again? I love that. Yeah, that's you. Don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. That's it. That's the song. So for how many years did you dance? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Victorian woman, life in Victorian times, 108 years old, from two years ago. Now let's meet someone who can bring a little history to us. Her name is Mrs. Florence Pannell, and she's 108 years old. Unlike oh, wait, most... Oh, this was made in 1977. Okay, that makes more sense women of her time, Florence Pannell managed to set up her own beauty care business. She worked for many years in Paris and in London, and she knows a great deal about fashion. Florence, tell me, was it all right for a lady to show her ankle? In Paris, nothing mattered. <laughs> but I'm speaking of years before that. 
<coughs> yes. <coughs> when uh, I suppose I was about ten. Yes. Um, there was a cartoon in Punch of the old-fashioned bus with the seats going parallel with the bus. And all the men going like this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what were they looking for? There was a woman crossing the road and holding her dress up and showing her ankle to there. Tut. Florence. Yes? Tell me a bit about how you managed to start your own beauty business. No lady worked in those days. It was only a companion or a teacher. She could be a hospital nurse. <laughs> but not private. So it was difficult? Oh, for women, shockingly difficult. Mm. I can tell you a story about that. That was also, I think, in Punch. Um, a scraggy woman seated in a chair, a little girl playing on the floor, about four years old, mm. and an awful-looking man this side in an armchair. Mother, when I grow up, shall I have to be married? Yes, dear. Shall I have to marry a man like father? Yes, dear. And if I don't marry him, shall I be an old maid like Aunt Eliza? <laughs> yes, dear. Silence them. Say, Mother, it's a hard world for us women, isn't it? Have you ever been in an aeroplane? Never. Would you like to? I shouldn't mind now, but I wouldn't when they first came in. I never... I never fancied them. But I, I won't now, because I'm more venturesome. <laughs> I think you've been very adventurous right through your life. What's the biggest change of all you've seen? The biggest change? Everything. Nothing is the same. Everything has changed. Ex-slaves talk about slavery in the United States. But John Henry Falk may have experienced the most profound effect. He was a graduate student when he interviewed the former slaves, including the two women. A story done in 1989, but still in this broadcast. Himself interviewed just before he died in 1979, Falk was going on about how he believes in giving blacks the right to go to school, giving them the right to vote, giving them the right to go into anything they qualified for. And then he said he experienced an epiphany. I was sitting out on a wagon thing with this old black man and was telling him what a different kind of white man I was. I remember him looking at me very sadly and kind of sweetly and condescendingly and say, you know, you still got the disease, honey. I know you think you're cured, but you're not cured. You can't give me the right to be a human being. I'm born with that right. Now, you can keep me from having that. If you've got all the policemen and all the jobs on your side, you can deprive me of it. 
she said, give it to me. Because I was born with it just like as you was. My God, it had a profound effect on me. I was furious with him. But the more I reflected on it, the more profoundly it affected me. I realized this was where it really was. That BBC, and I think that was the day, I don't know how we are meeting. I remember that just as well. It looked like to me, I think. We saved all our lives. Your mother was saved. Sister was saved. Father was saved. They named us by reading like all of our neighbors. She used to remind them off to me and Mister. Mama didn't give me where to go. She had to see me go. Just show them, just like she showed them from mine to me. Give me where to go. They are haunting voices from the past. Not actors reading a script or scholars reading a text but the actual voices of men and women, Americans, who were born in slavery. My name is Houghton Hughes. I was born in Charlottesville, Virginia. My grandfather belonged to Thomas Jefferson. My grandfather was 115 years old when he died. And now I am 101 years old. Persons didn't have no bed when they were slaves. We all slept on the floor, powder can, powder shell, just like a, a lot of uh, wire people. We didn't, we didn't know nothing. Didn't allow you to look at no book. Harriet Smith, remembering what she saw as a small girl during the fight. One more. Um, this would have been the day to America's last slave. Sally Smith, also known as Radoshi, was kidnapped as a child from her hometown in Benin, Africa. Eighty years later, in 1936, she spoke in her native language, Bantu, with a visiting African academic in Dallas County, Alabama, at the age of 90. Radoshi retold the horror of being chained into the SS Flotilla, the slave ship that brought her to Mobile. Amelia Boynton Robinson, a prominent civil rights activist, observed the conversation when visiting the former slave. Although she described being beaten, whipped, and wet methane killings at the hands of, a white, of white men, the journey was so horrific she believed that it took a year and had hoped to die before arriving to America. She talked about the hideous abuse she endured for the years she spent as a slave and then the next seven years as a black woman living in the South under Jim Crow. English professor in Newcastle University's Dr. Hannah Jerkin has slowly pieced together some of Radoshi's life before and after she came to Alabama aboard the slave ship Flotita. Uh, her story has come to prominence as newly discovered evidence paired with existing documents. She may have been the last surviving transatlantic African slave to have lived in the United States. Durkin first published her work on Radoshi in a slavery and abolition journal in late March. For generations, historians believe that Cujo Lewis, also known as Kazula, was the last surviving African slave in America. All right, that'll be enough for today, folks. Uh, it's been Lit Fam. Namaste. I'm Chris Wright the host of Point Counterpoint at KUSD University of St. Thomas Campus Radio. Yeah, that's all I got for you. Peace out. Namaste.